Hello, and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I am here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hey, everyone. Hey, Quinn. Long time, no talk. I know. It's been so long. Yeah, Quinn has been thriving, but she can tell you about that. But it's been a while since both of us have uh, have interacted with each other, so. <laughs> well, it's because even though we, we've taken a two-week break from episodes, but even before then, we recorded the previous week's episode almost a week in advance, so it's been a very long time since we've talked. Um, but yeah, I was... I. I also feel bad about this because we didn't announce it on the show because we still weren't sure whether or not until like right before the episode was going to go out and we realized it couldn't happen because I was staying in a hostel um, with nine other people in the room and I just couldn't record, especially since I'm in the UK, so we could only record really late in the night for me and then also my computer broke and so that like there was no chance of anything happening after that and it's been a bit of a struggle. But got a new computer, I got an actual room now, and we are all set to go. Yeah, so it's been a while. Um, sorry for the hiatus. I don't know why bands take hiatus, hiatus I, hi, hiatuses. Um, but I feel hi, like... Hiatus? <laughs> I feel like we're like Fallout Boy with our brief hiatus. Um, it was a really brief hiatus. If a band had a hiatus for two weeks, no one would even notice. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But... Yeah, again, we apologize for not announcing it on the show. Um, if we're the reason that you have trust issues, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel personally responsible for that. It's fine. I've given trust issues to many people in my life, so. <laughs> oh, yikes. This escalated quickly. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are. What's, what's also interesting about this is. I mean, the news has been going on as the news does over the past three weeks that we haven't been covering it. Um, And there have been a couple big interesting stories, and we're going to go back a little bit for some stuff on this episode to kind of catch up. But literally today, because they can sense it, they can sense that we're coming back, they dropped this giant story on us about Trump and Russia, my two least favorite topics. Um... But today is the day that Donald Trump Jr., after a New York Times article came out that um, said that he took a meeting with a Russian government lawyer um, to talk about the campaign, he just tweeted out all of these emails just just about him taking this meeting and like just laying it all out there. Yeah, it's a lot. So fraternizing with the uh, foreign <laughs> um, foreign lawyers is never never really a good sign especially during the the, uh, the campaign season so what he did was very very wrong um, but I'm just like shocked that he just tweeted everything as if everything he did was completely legal like I'm just I'm a little perplexed yeah and I mean just to give a brief overview of where we are now because like these emails dropped today so the story may develop more before this episode goes out but what we know so far is that back last summer while the campaign was going on um don jr got this email from an old connection from the miss universe pageant saying hey i've got um some russians with some dirt on hillary clinton do you want it and he was like i'd love it 
and I'm paraphrasing, but not that much. And so the, the person then says, okay, I've got a Russian government lawyer who can come in and talk to you. Well, they asked, he asked, Don Jr. asked for a phone call, but then they were like, oh, look, this person's going to be in New York. And he's like, okay, I can take a meeting. Yeah, that's fine. And then allegedly at this actual meeting, which also had Paul Manafort, the campaign manager, and Jared Kushner, um, who's Donald Trump's son-in-law and is in the presidential administration currently, they met with um, this like Russian pop star and this also this lawyer who apparently does not work for the Russian government or like hasn't in a long time and was allegedly actually only wanted to talk to them about these sanctions to do with child adoption out of Russia and they never had any information about Hillary Clinton that's what they're saying happened at this meeting we still don't know for sure but regardless he definitely went into this meeting thinking he was having a meeting with a government Russian government attorney to get dirt on Hillary Clinton during the campaign yeah it's an interesting like or at least to me when I first heard about this it's an interesting philosophical experiment like or I think if you intend to do something illegal but then nothing illegal actually happens is that still like an issue (laughs) I don't know it's a lot it's a lot well I mean just for the philosophical question for a moment it is though I mean not if you're just like thinking about it you never do anything but if you try to put some plans in a place you can be charged for like conspiracy to commit fraud and stuff like that conspiracy like attempted well not attempted murder but like conspiracy to commit murder like I'm pretty sure you can be charged with those things true but I don't know I think it's just interesting to me if you want to continue like that analogy with murder like if you accident if you kill someone then you're what like in say you're in prison for life right but say you intend to kill someone but like you try to and then you mess up and you don't actually kill them and they just get wounded then like yeah you're still gonna get put on trial but you're you may not get like a full as long of a sentence as if you actually did kill them i just think that's weird considering like your intent was the same in both cases in just one case you're better at it you know oh god uh more on that topic later in the episode but yeah um well i mean the law measures intent and effect so you can be charged with intent but like the effect of what you did i think um in a lot of cases carries more weight i think it also depends i mean the justice system is so subjective and messed up anyway but um i think it does depend on the crime in question and also like crimes of passion like that's also like it's yeah the law our legal system is very very subjective but back to the practical question on hand one thing that I think is really interesting slash horrible about the situation, which is how I feel about most things in the United States, is that he tweeted out these emails with the clear statement of, I didn't do anything wrong, here's the proof. And a lot of his supporters are saying, can't you see these emails? He didn't do anything wrong. Even though I look at those emails and say, obviously he did something wrong there's literally a line in the email that's like the russian government supports donald trump and here's a government attorney to come talk to you about hillary clinton that 
that's like a smoking gun right there but he's literally just standing there going this is i am innocent can't you see (laughs) yeah i mean i think maybe he's working this whole ignorance card because if he if he didn't have like malicious intent behind it maybe you know he'll get off easier i don't know he already hired a lawyer maybe his lawyer is telling him to do this who knows but it's just Oh my god, it's just such a hot mess and not what the White House needs right now. Ugh, the White House. I'd also, on this topic though, I would like to give a shout out to the New York Times and journalism in general because he tweeted those emails out because the New York Times had them. They published them like right after this happened and they, he, and because like they published a story about him the day before and it just goes to show that like the press really is so important for democracy because the new york times and the washington post are basically the only things keeping the trumps even somewhat in check right now yeah we don't need lie detectors anymore because we just have media (laughs) yeah because people never lie on the media no (laughs) well what do you think about this whole phenomena of people being so adamantly supportive of donald trump jr even when there are these very clear lines in these emails that suggest that he did something very wrong i mean i think it's along the whole lines of why were people still so supportive of donald trump after he said those horrible things right like it's like confirmation bias or being in denial or cognitive dissonance or whatever you want to call it but essentially once you pick a side and there's just very little swaying of you to the other side it's like what's that analogy with the frog being boiled in hot water like just that if you boil a frog slowly it doesn't jump out yeah it's kind of like this like they just keep gradually doing worse and worse things and people are just going along with it as opposed to maybe if they had started off like this they never would have sided with trump you know what i mean so i think it's like well I'm in the Trump uh, clan now, so I might as well just stay here and defend it until the end of time. That's how, that's how I'm interpreting it, at least. What do you think, Quinn? Yeah, I think you really got the gist of it there. And I think that a lot of it is also this anti-Democrat thing. Um, because, like, the whole note, of if they started out like this, I mean, even think about where we were um, even a year ago or let's say two years ago before any of this madness started where like republicans weren't going to defend russia like nixon is rolling in his grave um but it's been so long of this fight ostensibly between democrats and republicans more like trump against everyone um where people keep going after this whole russia connection this connection with the russian government and the more they go after that, which they should because it's illegal, but the more they go after that, the more that like Trump supporters associate Russia with Trump and supporting Russia with supporting Trump. And so I think that we've gotten to the point where if a, a year ago when this immediately happened, if it came right out then that like, oh, Donald Trump Jr. had this meeting and like the Russian government um said hey we support donald trump i think there would have been a lot more of at least surprise um and outrage about this but now it's almost like supporting these people um and their connections to the russian government is 
just another part of positioning yourself against the Democrats. And so that's what people are doing. They're being part of their group. Yeah, groupthink is a very, very real thing. Um, basically, it's the psychological concept that if you put all of similar, similarly, similarly, mm, similar minded people into a room, they'll and have them like argue or have them debate about one topic or something. They'll usually leave the room with their um, with their views intensified. So if they really if they believe something before, after talking to a bunch of other people who also believe it very strongly, they will also feel more strongly about it. So. I think here it's just this is just another example of the intense partisanship that does exist in Washington um, and it's just honestly this everything that's happened since the 2016 election should just be recorded or observed as this just psychological phenomenon because like I just still can't wrap my head around all of this you know yeah and groupthink happens to everyone, like, and it definitely happens on the Democratic side as well. But this is, like, it, it it's like that we're, the people on different sides are seeing two completely different documents. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, if we're still all alive in 50 years, um, I'm sure this is going to be in, all of this is going to be in the history textbooks. It's going to be in sociology textbooks, psychology textbooks as, like, little word problem examples. It's... I'm pretty sure this is going to be studied extensively and there will be so many books written about this era of American history. Yeah, it's I I'm glad I'm not going to be around to read those books because it's probably like oh my god, I would experience such secondhand embarrassment except like I would be experiencing firsthand embarrassment <laughs> because I'm I was there. But anyways, uh, so I like you think you're not going to be around to read these books. These books are coming out now. They're going to be coming out fast and furious from now until we die. Oh, uh, this is just so cringy. I can't. Also on a brief note of, you know, another Trump child, Ivanka Trump sat in for tr- the, you know, head Trump at the G20 summit, which is just I'm I am I'm stunned. Mm-hmm. she's not no one elected her she makes shoes yeah that's true um i think people were more shocked because it was just like unprecedented and like no one had ever thought to do that and what was wasn't she just like saving his seat or something like he had gotten up and so she was just like oh i'll just like chill here for a second like it wasn't like she was speaking for him you know yeah she was just like technically holding his seat for him but like I'm not allowed to hold a seat for someone at the G20 summit. The G20 summit is very important. It's full of world leaders. Like, I don't get to sit at that table because no one elected me to a world leader position. No one elected her either. She's, she shouldn't be special. I mean, yeah, but I think, I do, I kind of think the media blew this out of proportion and I'm going to get tons of backlash for that. But honestly, like, I don't really see what she did wrong. Like, yeah, like, she shouldn't, she probably shouldn't have done that, but I don't know why people are being so melodramatic about it. Like, honestly, like, I think I even post, it's even in the article I posted, um, in the, in the notes, but Reuters is, like, a, is known for being a very objective news source, um, and they, they said, they mentioned that, oh, well, like, Trump tweeted, yeah, um, 
Trump tweeted like, oh, if this was like Chelsea Clinton holding Hillary Clinton's seat, like everybody would be like, yeah, like go Chelsea, like setting an example for young women to get into politics, you know, like, I don't know, I think I think this act was pretty, pretty innocuous. And I think the media is sort of trying to twist it against Ivanka. But I mean, that's just my my uh, unorthodox opinion. Well, I think that if Chelsea Clinton had taken a seat for Hillary Clinton at this summit, Republicans would have lost their minds. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's Um, that's exactly what the Democrats are doing. Like, you can't really win with this, you know, like it's either side is going to be massacred. But I think it's more more obvious on this side just because the New York Times and a lot of, you know, well-known celebrities and very, very smart people are more liberal leaning. So I think maybe the backlash would have been less but that's just, just me speaking. This is, that, that has no source or I mean, any, like, actual foundation in journalism, but this is just me speaking my opinion. I mean, to be fair, I think their backlash was a lot less than it could have been, considering we were all so busy with the uh, collusion, treason situation over with Don, Donald Trump Jr. But anyway, um, <laughs> with this particular issue, though, it's like, I feel like that the reason that this matters and the, the reason I think it matters as much it does, is it does is because Ivanka Trump doesn't even have any qualifications to be in the White House in the first place. She's Donald Trump's daughter. She runs a fashion company. Like she wouldn't be an advisor in the White House if it wasn't her father as the president. And that is nepotism. Like that is the definition of nepotism. And nepotism in um like one of the greatest and most powerful countries in the entire world is like pretty dangerous and so this just seems to be a continuation of that i mean that's totally true but i think nepotism always exists i think that's just like part of politics i think the reason why this is a problem is because this is such an obvious case of it um but i don't know i still think like yeah, she's, I mean, yeah, maybe she shouldn't be an advisor, but the thing is, she still is an advisor, so it's like, she is an advisor, an official advisor to the White House, so her being there at the G20 summit isn't necessarily, you know, the craziest idea in the world. And also, apparently, Angela Merkel said it wasn't a big deal, or said it was fine, or said, I don't even know, that she wasn't surprised, but, um, yeah. Yeah, well, while I do like Angela Merkel, I don't have to agree with her on everything. <laughs> True. True, true. But yeah, I just, this, I, I, I guess I just refuse to let anything out of the ordinary in this White House be treated as normal. I don't want to ever let myself treat it as normal. Okay, I guess that's fair. I'm in fighting mode 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I like your consistency. Uh, I'm always ready for a fight. Just... <laughs> Any anytime you want to fight, just call me up. <laughs> oh my God! Stop, Ted. <laughs> Great. Um, but yeah, we will be watching the Russian collusion story with interest, as we have been for what feels like twelve lifetimes. And you know, okay. I just ha- before we move on, I just have to say, there's this one tweet from Max Temkin, who's the CEO of Cards Against Humanity, that says, um, "This time they've got him. Trump will never get out of this one." me every day for the last six months and that tweet was like a while ago and every like I feels like every other day someone retweets it because it's always relevant it always feels like 
this is so egregious, but literally nothing ever happens. <laughs> Our second story of the week is so weird. It's like, it's just the most 2017 story. Um, and that is the fact that Hobby Lobby uh, was recently got into huge trouble for smuggling artifacts out of Iraq. Oh, lovely. You hate to see it. Yeah, we're not going to go into too much detail on, like, the particulars of this. Um, but basically, Hobby Lobby, which is um, this big craft supply chain in the United States and is notorious for being um, an evangelist Christian company, which is wild. Like, companies have religions now, don't you know? Um, but anyway, so they, like, devote a lot of money to Christian causes. And by Christian causes, I mean, like videos and political causes and stuff and they were a big big push in this that whole supreme court case about whether or not corporations have to provide birth control to their employees in their like employee health insurance so that's all great and so they smuggled out all of these um like tablets and iraqi artifacts and stuff and apparently like a lot of them were you know related somehow to the christian religion and they said that oh you know we purchased these and we were planning on displaying them in museums across the country and and galleries and stuff um but then people figured this out and they were like uh this is whatever you did to purchase these is definitely not legal and these are labeled as tiles that you're bringing into the country but they are definitely not tiles <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, the company president was like, we should have exercised more oversight and carefully questioned how the acquisitions were handled. You say that now? <laughs> like, is there, do you not have a compliance office? Like, literally, oh, this just makes me so angry. I'm going to use that line next time I get in trouble for something. Like, oh, we should have exercised more oversight at the time. <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect. <laughs> Yeah, but they did like they didn't even get fined that much. Yeah, they only got fined what like three million dollars. Okay, granted, I do not have three million dollars, so to me uh, that's I a lot. But still, like, okay. Yeah, but to like Hobby Lobby, would, it, that's not a lot. I, ugh, Hobby Lobby needs to go, but whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I just I was so shook by this topic because first of all. Like, the headline is hilarious. Hobby Lobby smuggles artifacts from Iraq. <laughs> what? <laughs> but second of all, it's like, I cannot believe we are living in an imperialist art age in 2017. How is this still happening? Yeah, I mean, as if we don't have enough, you know, on our plates and our, our reputation isn't the greatest, but, you know, using um, Middle Eastern artifacts for our own i don't know our own profits it's just it's it's a lot to take in yeah this has been on my mind recently because i went to the british museum last week and the british museum is just full of everything the british have stolen from the rest of the world over the course of their history including perhaps the most famous stolen object in the history of um archaeology which I know a little bit about because I t once took a class about nationalism, imperialism, and archaeology, which is a weird thing about me. But anyway, so the Elgin marbles are these s 
sculptures that were in the side of the walls in the Parthenon in Greece. So like these big slabs of stone with these really intricate carvings into the side of them. And the British just took them <laughs> from, like, and brought them back to England and put them in this, and now they're in this museum. And like, you can go in this giant room and see all these things that were stolen from the Parthenon. And Greece is like, uh, can we have those back now? And England's like, I can't, what? I can't, I can't hear you. You're so far away. <laughs> and there's, there's literally a museum in Greece with an empty room. And like, they're like, the Elgin Barbels are going to go here when we get them back. And England's like, what? I can't, I, th- th- we're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that uh, crumpling the potato chips when you're on the phone. <laughs> Wait, oh have God. you ever done that to someone? <laughs> No, but I, I also realize that's like a very dated thing to do, so I feel old now. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I just, oh my god, it's just, it just, I guess as I get older, I'm just realizing more and more how like messed up the world is and just how immature, like, legit countries are. I don't, I don't know. To me, it's just like, I feel like, you know, we spend our entire childhoods thinking that everyone's rational or grown up when they hit, you know, a certain age. But really, I think, honestly, I think people just get worse because it's like we have the same mindset as when we were in nursery school, but we just have more money and more power and more opportunities to mess everything up. I mean, that's a controversial position, but I'm not entirely opposed to it. (laughs) That could be the name of this podcast if if we could have a terrible long name (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just there's so much art in the world and artifacts in the world that have been stolen from their original place especially like from places in africa and asia the middle east that uh people in europe have just taken and now the united states because we're like we want to be imperialist too and apparently we still want to do that it's not it's not a good look it's just just leave them leave them where they are yeah it's all about it's Quinn this is literally like kindergarten sharing toys or t- stealing other people's I don't know buckets and trying to make sand castles I don't know it's just it's a lot I just like can't get this nursery school analogy out of my head okay no I, I can expand on that analogy so it's like one kid made a drawing in class and then another kid looked at it was like, I like that drawing. And then they took it from them and put it on their own fridge at home. And then their kid came over, the, the first kid that made the drawing came over. It was like, that's my drawing on your fridge. Can I come, can I take it and put it on my fridge? And then that kid is like, no, it is mine. It is in my, it is on my fridge now and you can't have it back. Quinn just described one of my childhood experiences. <laughs> Wait, which kid were you? <laughs> I'll leave that you. I'll leave that to you to guess. <laughs> no, I'm um, I'm totally kidding. But <laughs> I don't know. That's 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 so accurate. Um, but yeah, Greece is just trying to get their their art back. But other than that, you're loving it, right? Oh yeah. I mean, my study abroad program is great, and I like I did. I participated in the imperialism because I went to the museum and I looked at it, like the Rosetta Stone and everything. Which is it's so cool to see the Rosetta Stone in person. Um, even though it was also stolen from where it was. But uh, it's hard because it's like, 
there are arguments about this. This isn't a totally one-sided thing. It's the whole argument that these objects being in the British Museum mean that so many more people in the world can see them because like so many people go to London and it's more like kind of centrally located and all that kind of stuff. And so does it afford the most opportunity for people to see it? Probably, especially because like the British Museum is a free museum and all that kind of stuff. But does that make up for the fact that they've stolen cultural artifacts from other parts of the world? That's up for debate between different scholars. Yeah, it's definitely such an interesting topic. Um, and I have really no background in this realm of art or art history, but I don't know. I still find it extremely fascinating. I mean, to be fair, I took one class on this and I'm just like fascinated by the Elgin marbles for the rest of my life because of that. <laughs> I took an art history class once in my life and I did so bad on it. <laughs> for the final exam, it was like, identifying well it was like art history slash architecture right and so for the final exam we had to identify all of these buildings like by their picture and say like who made it what years um what years built what material it was made out of and i literally was just like mm, church um uh renaissance uh stone and like <laughs> that were the answer those were the answers to my test you're a brilliant student ahead of your time <laughs> they didn't appreciate my uh my wit our last main topic for this week is a bit of a catch-up topic because this made the news um actually more towards the beginning of our like big break but uh the Philando Castile trial happened um or like the police the trial of the person who killed him happened um, and he was acquitted and and so this trial was for the killing of Philando Castile who was a black man who was driving um, his girlfriend was in the passenger seat there I think she was four or five um, your old daughter was in the back seat and they got pulled over everything started fine he was licensed to carry a gun and so he had a gun on him and he immediately told the officer officer like i have a gun the officers don't go and then the officer says don't go for your gun he says i'm not i'm not touching my gun i believe the officer asked for licensing registration the way that you know you do every time you get pulled over he reaches for his license and registration the cop shoots him um this is basically what down i might have gotten the order of that slightly wrong i'm sorry but um that's basically the breakdown of what happened and so the cop apparently thought he was reaching for his gun, panicked, shot him, I think, four times um, while this kid is in the back seat. And his girlfriend started streaming this live after the shooting happened. And so there's this horrible video online. Um, it's very disturbing. So... Like, if you be very careful, um, if you do want to see the footage, but you can find it very easily. Um, and she, like, this woman just remained so incredibly calm. Um, and she confronted the officer and asked him, like, why did you shoot him? And she's trying to take care of this little girl in the backseat. And it's, it's a really disturbing video. Um, 
and so Philando died from his injuries and the cop went to trial um, and as I started with this was acquitted and did not go to jail for this he did end up leaving the force um, voluntarily he was not fired it was a a mutual agreement for him to leave and he was given fifty thousand dollars as like a severance package yeah um i guess i just want to say two things um this is obviously such a horrible um horrible thing that happened um and the amount of times that the cop did shoot at castile was definitely excessive like he did not need to shoot him multiple times um i'm pretty sure one is more than sufficient but I mean, Castile, yes, did technically have a concealed carry or uh, CCW permit, but, like, he was also believed to be high on marijuana, and it's a crime for a permit holder to carry a weapon while under the influence of drugs or alcohol. So that was one thing that he was doing that was illegal. And then the second thing is that he was illegally carrying the gun, and yes, maybe he wasn't reaching for a gun and just pulling out his license, but the cops still said, don't reach for it, don't pull it out, don't pulling out, because he didn't know if he was going to pull out a gun or if he was going to pull out a license, and I don't know. I mean, it's all, it's, yes, there is a video of what happened, but also, like, you don't know what was going through the cop's mind when this was happening. Like, you must be scared. You must, you're completely scared. You don't know what this guy is doing. This guy is on drugs. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to unravel, I think. Okay, so a couple of responses to some of the stuff that you said. First of all, um, on the point that, um, so he did have THC in his blood when he died, which means that um, he had been smoking marijuana recently um, before his death. And so he was probably like illegally carrying this gun in that case if he wasn't allowed to have his gun on him when um, he had marijuana in his system. Regardless, like, he doesn't deserve to die for that. And I know that's not what you're saying. And I don't want to at any point imply that's what you're saying. But that's the kind of... That that kind of thing is brought up a lot with these cases of black men being murdered by cops. Um, and we see the situation happen over and over again where there's some kind of minor infraction. And people say, well, they shouldn't have been doing that thing. And, like, of course they shouldn't have been doing that thing. But, like... They should have gotten fined for it. They should have maybe served jail time for it, depending on what it was. Like, they shouldn't have been shot. Now, and that that's the side point to the main thing that you were talking about, which is the situation itself, which is a high-stress situation. The cop pulls someone over. He thinks he looks maybe like this person who had robbed a convenience store. That's the that's what had started this. The guy's going for his... What he thinks is this guy going for his gun. He's not sure what's happening. He thinks he's high on marijuana, maybe, if he sees, like red in his eyes or something like that the cop panics and shoots him four times but my question with this is why is all of the burden of remaining calm and controlled at all times during his altercation entirely on the civilian like he is supposed to be like completely collected with this cop who has a gun in his face in front of him 
this man is scared he's nervous yes he had some marijuana in his system um but that's like even without that like it's a terrifying situation to be in i was like near a gun one time um it was a whole thing um but i was like near someone who like had license to carry and so he like pulls this gun out while we're in his apartment and it was like very disturbing to me just because like i didn't know him and i didn't know like it was a weird situation anyway so guns make people nervous right (laughs) but the cop is like supposed to be the person who's trained in this situation he's supposed to be able to handle this he's supposed to know what to do so that he doesn't have to kill anyone on the job and so yes it's a bad situation and i'm not saying that that cop woke up that day and was like i'm gonna kill somebody or that he saw this person driving on the street like that's a bad guy and i think i should shoot him but i do think that there is unconscious bias at work that he was maybe this unconscious bias worked for him believing that Philando Castillo was more dangerous than he actually was. I do believe that he should have been able to be better trained and to better handle that situation. And I definitely think he should have been able to maybe measure the fact that there was a child in the back seat um, and not and work to de-escalate the situation instead of escalating it so drastically. I just think that there was a lot going on there that should have been the cop's responsibility that was not. Yeah, I mean, that's a decent argument. Um, I guess my whole thing is you could probably have all the training in the world, but you can't, I don't know if you can 100% control like your thoughts in a crisis, right? So if the cop comes out and like smells marijuana on this guy's breath and is like, don't pull out a gun, don't pull out a gun, and then the guy is like reaching for something, even though he's saying that he's pulling out his license. Like, what, like, how is the cop supposed to know that? And then, second of all, it's still like, it wasn't like he was just casually, you know, driving a car while high, which is also not the best idea. But like, carrying a gun on you while you're under the influence is still illegal. And he like did not know what he was gonna do because maybe because maybe the cop knew that he was under the influence. So yes, do I think racial profiling is a thing in our system? Yes, definitely. And I think it's a horrible systemic problem, but I don't know if we can, I, I don't know how to address that. If like this situation, like I don't, I don't know if the cop was completely in the wrong here. I will say there's also some nuance on the issue of like whether he was quote unquote high on marijuana um, because there was THC in his system but like that doesn't necessarily mean that like he had done marijuana that day and he was feeling its effects so that is like that's I, I just wanted to point that out because the situation is more nuanced it wasn't like oh he was totally high and he was driving with a gun and like that was dangerous um, that there, there wasn't necessarily any signs that he was incapacitated. I mean, maybe, but like, if you drink a lot and then the next day you drive your car home but you're and you're fine, but like, say you get into an accident and then the police find out like you still have some alcohol in you, even though you may not feel its effects, what you did was still illegal, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like, not arguing that he did have... Um, some of this drug in his system, but arguing that, like, he was scaring the officer in any way, that he seemed, um, like, unresponsive to the officer in any way. That's, that is a point that's up for debate. 
because we weren't there and we don't know how he was acting yeah that's yeah because that like that's that's what the defense said is that he was stoned um and that like he was giving off all these warning signs and that's why it escalated the way it did but we don't necessarily know that right so i guess if we weren't there i don't know if we can't even make a call but we can say that um racial profiling is still definitely a systemic thing um and this unfortunately is just an example that um people will use in the future to refer to the race problem that we do have in america Mm -hmm. yeah because i mean to um expand on that this case wouldn't be as big of a deal as it is if it wasn't for the fact that we see these same patterns happen over and over and over again if this was a an isolated incident it would still be a horrible tragedy but it'd be much easier to say like that was a high stress situation the cop made a mistake but it was a mistake and like we heal and move on but when this is the who even knows how many times this has happened just in the past couple years you're thinking this is not just somebody one person's mistake this is a systemic issue since i'm sort of the um in-house representative of what goes on or of announcing what goes on um in the kardashian jenner clan um recent news just came out that black china's restraining order did against her husband or ex-husband now or Wait, sorry. Were they ever married? I think so. It's all... It, their relationship is confusing. Okay, long story short, um, Black China had a child with Rob Kardashian, who is the brother of um, Kim Kardashian, Courtney, Chloe, and all of them. And a few months ago, he punched her and physically abused her. And this is just coming to new, this is coming to light now. And so um, everybody's been focusing on it. She got a restraining order against him, but I, they recently broke up. And so he's releasing all of these like uh, revenge articles. Like he, like he released nude photos of her. Um, this is, it's just like a very big mess. Like he's not, Rob Kardashian is not handling this well at all. Um, and, and yeah. And also the whole, he, posted sexually explicit photos of her uh that is a form of domestic violence and a crime in california where they live and in lots of other states so like that's also horrible and so he's a like he's broken a bunch of domestic violence laws basically um and mm-hmm. it's probably well i mean who even knows but like they'll go to court for it probably which is they have a child this is also bad yeah, I just think, just, like, their whole relationship is a low-key, like, how they even started dating is just kind of a, kind of a hot mess. Um, for those who don't pay attention to the Kardashian clan as much as I do, and cr- props to you, um, Black China dated Kylie Jenner's ex-boyfriend, Tyga. They were, yeah, were they? They might have been married. I don't know. But they have a kid together. Um, And then Black China and Tyga broke up. And Tyga started dating Kylie. Um, And then while Tyga and Kylie were dating, Black China started dating 
Rob Kardashian. So it's just like this weird, like incestuous thing going on. It makes me super uncomfortable. But um, yeah, all the magazines were all over it when this came to light. And that so then Black China and Rob Kardashian's relationship was obviously, you know, a very, very hot topic in the media. Um, and then apparently, I guess, um, Tyga and Kylie broke up. And then very recently after that, um, Black China left Rob and Rob is saying that, you know, having the baby was like this whole like plot and that he um, she never actually loved him and like blah, blah, blah. She still wants to be with Tyga. And then it's just then he starts doing all these illegal things and like releasing nude photos of her. And it's just it's literally a disaster. I could care less about what what Rob Kardashian says about Black China, considering that he hit her and uh released photos without her consent on the internet it's just like i uh, i will you don't have any credibility with me dude no he he doesn't he has absolutely zero credibility um it's this is just awful it's weird how this whole situation is kind of packaged as like celebrity drama um and because on on one level it is because you know it's like these weird cross marriage is going on and whatever but it's also like a man abusing his partner and that is awful in any situation and like I, ho- I hope for their kids sake <laughs> I say this as if this is ever going to happen I was going to say I hope for their kids sake that like they get through this situation with like a minimal amount of permanent scarring from paparazzi um and horrible extensive media coverage but we both know that's gonna happen um i just i'm so sad (laughs) i'm so sad about everything jillian it's like like the celebrity drama we do i think write off a lot more casually than we were if this was i don't know say happening to even if someone we didn't know if it was happening to a regular civilian or regular i don't know just some random average joe on the street um and i think that's also you know sort of similar to what happened with kim kardashian when she was mugged in paris and like held at gunpoint and people accused her of you know, using this as a publicity stunt. And it's, we do hold celebrities to different standards. And I do think that does become a problem um, when, especially when we start to consider what really goes on behind the camera and realize that maybe, you know, they're more like us than we thought and that they still have these problems despite being famous. And then we have these cases like bad stuff happens to celebrities and we don't take it as seriously but then also celebrities do bad stuff and we don't take it as seriously um and in this case in particular i don't think rob kardashian has enough social cachet that like people will take his side over black china's in you know the court of public opinion which is a horrible place although i never know because i mean black china is like a i'm not super familiar with her but I, i understand that she's like kind of a divisive figure mm-hmm. in that she's a black woman who has a personality um and people don't like that oh yikes everything is terrible not only in politics but also in pop culture thank you and this has been mixed feeling <laughs> everything aren't you so glad we're back everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh god and i think on that note we're gonna wrap up for the night because it is quite late where i am so from now on, we shall 
as far as I know, be releasing <laughs> regular episodes again on Thursdays, um, as you know and love, hopefully. And so, <laughs> for now, um, if you'd like to find us on Twitter, you can follow us at Mixed Feelings FM. You can also send us a DM there. Um, you can find our show notes at relay.fm slash mixed feelings, um, where there's also a contact form if you want to email us any stories or feedback. You could also find us in Apple Podcast Store, where it would be super cool if you left us a review. And you could find me on Twitter at aspiringrobotfm. And you could find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Oh, thanks for talking to me, Quinn. I missed you so much during our during our hiatus. I missed you too. Thank you for talking with me. Always a pleasure. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>